Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the What If Football Podcast here on the Sports Social Podcast Network where we will be every Wednesday. The Gazprom, or rather, let's call it the Champions League from now on, shall we? That's gone, that's done and dusted for a week. Today we're coming back home, we're coming back home for the 73rd episode of this podcast with the Barclays going back all the way to 1996. Can Man United continue their domination? Let's find out. And of course, if you do like podcasts like this, we do all that good nostalgic podcasty stuff over there on the Patreon a couple of days a week, combining 11s, all that uh, clickbaity nonsense that um, drives the content machine as it does. We do that on Wednesdays. We compare and contrast teams, players, managers, etc. Football of all kind in the head-to-head podcast, also on a Wednesday, interchangeably. And cover great games, great seasons on a Tuesday recently. We did the the Inter Milan season. Well, we're going to do the Inter Milan season soon. We'll go, we've done the Wigan FA Cup season, where they unfortunately got relegated as well. And we cover fantastic games. Champions League, Premier League, World Cup, etc., etc. So if you like stuff like that, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whatifootball. One pound a month, that is. And if you extrapolate it across, four pence per piece of content, I think it's just about worth it. So um, please check that out. But the order of today's business is the football in England, the Premier League 1996-1997 season. We'd just come off the wave of euphoria of Euro 96, which of course ends in glorious failure. The the kingpin of that success, or near success for England, is on the move. He's on the move quite famously from Blackburn Rovers, Alan Shearer. Now, of course, Blackburn couldn't couldn't quite withstand that title push, could they? From 95 to 96, finish him in mid table as we. As we detailed in the previous Barclays episode, so go back in the archives to walk, to listen to that episode if you've not done so already. Shearer was on the move though. He had two two choices, Manchester United or Newcastle United. One was supremely successful and Shearer's signature would complete them. The other, it was his hometown club and rightfully, even coming from a Man United fan's perspective, this one, Join your hometown club and winning a title there, which, let's be honest, it wasn't out of the realms of possibility, although Kevin Keegan's side was on the was on the wane this season. It was still a possibility. And to win a league title, one league title with Newcastle compared to what would have been 
well, I don't, I'm not going to add it up, but potentially about six for Man United between here and the end of Shearer's career in 2006. He would have preferred to win the one and, understandably, goes to Newcastle for a world record £15 million. So how do how do Man United combat this rebuffing from their uh, their prime prime transfer target for the second time in four years as well, let's not forget. Well, they signed someone who was considerably cheaper, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, he had the requisite impact, I'm sure we'll all agree. Elsewhere, coming into Old Trafford, we've got Jordi Cruyff, son of Johan, as um, Johan Cruyff was ending his time at Barcelona and his son, also at Barcelona, was um, was understandably leaving as well. In and amongst that, we had Ronnie Jonsson, who would become a bit of an overrated, underrated player, rather, of the treble-winning team, and Karol Poborski, alternatively, quite overrated and admittedly signed off the back of a great Euro 96 performance for Czech Republic. The Czechs, of course, losing to Germany in that final at Wembley in June 1996. We're in the era of Chelsea adding huge names, not to the... Not to the um, extent that they would in the 2000s, thanks to a certain owner. But they had huge names such as Roberto Di Matteo, Frank Lidberth, Gianluca Vialli, and also obscure Hall of Famer, Frode Grodas. Um, yeah, fantastic. Anyway, that is the essentially that is quite close to the core of Chelsea's team for the next few years. They will be successful in the FA Cup this year and um, would be in a numerous, numerous cup competition finals as we move on into the late 90s and early 2000s, but uh, more on them as we get to it. Elsewhere across London, change is afoot, but it's not it's not official just yet. We've got Arsene Wenger, who seems fairly imminent at Highbury, and his endorsed signings of Remy Gard and Patrick Vieira have been signed for the North London club. David Dean and um, Arsene Wenger shared a bit of a relationship going back. He wanted to sign him in 1994, wasn't the time. But now we've um, Bruce Rioch out, Stuart Houston in uh, interim charge, Pat Rice, etc. as well. They're waiting essentially for the for the Japanese football season to uh, curtail and um, then they can bring in Arsene Wenger from Nagoya Grampus 8, as it were. On the other hand, up north, Liverpool were alternatively very quiet. Only Patrick Berger, another star of that Czech Republic team from Euro 96, he's been signed from Borussia Dortmund. Meanwhile, Everton, splashing it about a bit. Nick Barnby for £7 million, of course, star of the of the great Aussie Ardiles, entertaining team of the uh, mid-90s there. Leeds, alternatively, they were splashing the cash as well. Lee Sharp, Lee Boyer, Nigel Martin and Ian Rush from Liverpool and um, unfortunately the Leeds would lose the last two of their 92 title winners Gary Speed to Everton Gary McAllister to Coventry so losing two very very integral very experienced names there it's in the midfield as well so it'll be interesting to see what Leeds can do after that can they get back into Europe we will uh, we'll find out so as we said Nick Bambi he's left Middlesbrough Middlesbrough between uh, Tottenham and Everton but they gain one of the signings of the uh, of the summer. Fabrizio, Fabrizio Ravanelli is at Middlesbrough to join the likes of Emerson and Janinio, who were building quite the team under Brian Robson here. Meanwhile, Nottingham Forest, they make big moves in the market. Pierre van Hoydonk and Dean Saunders as well up front, a bit of firepower there. And we will see more of Sasa Churchich, who got relegated under, under Bolton, and um, he will uh, move back into the Premier League. Leicester City, they're back, of course, back in black. They're more smarter buys this time round. You've got your Casey Kellers, your Muzzy Isits as well, of course, which would form the bedrock of their team going into the later 90s. Niall Quinn, he would leave Manchester City. He would leave them, as obviously, there's been relegated as well. He would leave them for, of course, Sunderland, who are back. And Southampton are scouting the Norwegian talent aplenty. Egil Ostenstad and Klaus Lundekvam, the fantasy Premier League legend himself, Klaus Lundekvam. I always bought him. Anyway, Derby have added experience as well. They're back in the big time. We've got Paul McGrath, Paul Parker, and also Chris Powell and Christian Daly. They only sign people called Paul and Chris, apparently. In terms of management, there's been a few changes here. 
aside from Arsene Wenger's incoming to North London, which just about hasn't happened yet. We've got Glenn Hoddle. He's away from Chelsea. And of course, he's joining the England setup after Terry Venables couldn't take charge after Euro 96 due to legal proceedings. So taking his place in the Chelsea dugout, in the Stamford Bridge dugout as player manager, the next two managers will be player managers at Stamford Bridge. It's Rude Hullet and uh, we'll see what he can do. Can he take them back up? To European football. Meanwhile, we've got Graham Souness in at Southampton. Bring on the Ali Dia times. We may as well get to it now. Been well covered. Southampton versus Leeds. Ali Dia should have had a he should have had a reserve game, which would have outed him um, his, his ability, which was pretty much outed on the training pitch. But Souness was willing to give him a, a chance. The reserve game gets called off, and then he gets brought on as a sub and um, has one of the more Colourful debuts, let's say, and um, gets subbed himself. Um, Matt Letizia called it Bambi on Ice, which is one of his less controversial statements as of uh, as of late. Meanwhile, Bruce Rioch, as we stated, sacked five days before the start of the season. We'll cover Arsenal a bit, um, a bit further down the line as we get to September and October. But that is all the build-up, all the narrative heading into the 96-97 Barclays Premier League, although... As George Spencer stated on Twitter, it probably should be called the Carl in this. So, yeah, can't fault him for that one, really. Uh, but after this short break, we'll get into the every detail of the season, of course, in August. See you after this short break. Welcome back. We couldn't have started the season off in a more mythical manner, I don't think. Manchester United trip to Sellers Park. Of course, it's not to face Crystal Palace. They're down in the uh, the old Division 1 there, aren't they? But it's Wimbledon and it's a 90th minute winner. Well, it's 3-0, so it's not really a winner, but one of the greatest goals in Premier League history. Scored from the halfway line at an angle. Sends David Beckham to absolute superstardom. David Beckham number 10, as he is at this stage, because of course Eric Cantona still in the Old Trafford tunnel there. And... Um, yeah, this is the this is one that really changes the course of David Beckham's career. Although, yes, admittedly, he had a, had a season or two under his belt for United, scored in Champions League games, part of the the Premier League winning team, the double winning team of of '96. But this is the one that sets him apart and um, really sends him down the path that he does get sent on. And uh, maybe there's a what if in there? Who knows? Um, regardless, outside of that. Famous contest, you've got wins for the likes of Chef Wednesday, Nottingham Forest and both North London clubs in Arsenal and Tottenham as well. Meanwhile, Newcastle started absolutely disastrously, losing 2-0 at Goodison Park. As we left August and into September, you've got a band of four teams all waiting for their first wins. Derby County, Southampton, Blackburn Rovers and Coventry City. So not the greatest starts for those lads, Coventry, got high hopes for them this season or in the next couple of seasons. Derby too, really. So let's enter September. A near perfect start for the champions, although admittedly, like usual really. Um, and I think this is probably around the time where United's defence isn't the greatest, but they just get by and it's a, a perf- near perfect start. Five wins, four draws, still undefeated. Jordi Cruyff starting quite well. Poborski too, to an extent, and they've dished out a few hammerings to the likes of Leeds, Nottingham Forest. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got his first goals, a double at home to Spurs as well. Meanwhile, you've got Newcastle United and a Tyneweir derby and a win in that derby, thrown in just for good measure, Les Ferdinand with the winner there. And it is a 100% record, Alan Shearer performing against Blackburn Rovers for the first time against his former club, and there's also wins against likes of Leeds and Villa, which three teams there that could be a bit of a could be a bit of a banana skin. Blackburn maybe less so now, but Leeds and Villa certainly um would be sort of dancing around that top six spot you'd 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 probably think come the end of the season. And meanwhile Arsenal they did they're in similar from similar form really. Pat Rice's interim tenure ending with with three wins, Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, of course, who uh, who lose the final 100% record in the Premier League of all of all teams, but uh, they've since quickly climbed down. Ian Wright scoring a hat trick 
in that contest. And um, Derby and Coventry, meanwhile, of course, they quickly end winless runs against Blackburn and Leeds, respectively. So we're, we're uh, starting to see some of the uh, disorder be quelled as we enter October. But after eight games, we've got Liverpool top of the table, similarly good September, like the likes of Newcastle and Arsenal. 20 points they've got. They've beaten Coventry, Southampton, Leicester, Chelsea, 5-1, and uh, West Ham as well. And also bringing up the uh, top of the table, you've got Newcastle on 18, Arsenal 17, Man United 16, and Wimbledon always with these good starts as we've uh, been chronicling in the uh, in the Barclays, as it were. They're fifth place after eight games. Will that tail off like it has done the past few seasons? We'll, of course, find out Chelsea with 13 points as well. And no leads there. And Howard Wilkinson doesn't last too long into the season. Joining his title winners in 1992, being that they're all gone from the club. Meanwhile, you've got that George Graham. He's taken his place. His first job in management since the, um, the sacking, departure pushed before, jumped before he was pushed kind of uh, vibes to his exit at Highbury. But regardless, he's taken his place in the Leeds dugout with them sat comfortably enough in ninth, but uh, hopefully for that new manager bounce. And we head into October. Of course, the main news coming from this month, it isn't Man United, it's not Newcastle, it's not Liverpool, the previous season's main title contenders, I'd, I'd say. It's Arsene Wenger. He's in, officially anyway. He's... um. Starting almost perfectly. Seven points against the likes of Blackburn, Coventry and Leeds. Three clean sheets, so that's a good um, indication that Arsenal could be about to continue that lineage of insanely good defensive football. In terms of defensive records, we will know that they do play some some good attacking football here, but um, more on that next time in the bar, because I'm sure we'll, uh, sure we'll find that out in the 97-98 episode of this podcast. Now, as we said earlier, he'd commissioned the signings of Remy Gard, Patrick Vieira, and it was a long telegraphed move to the club, which meant that he was at the UEFA Cup game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Now, Arsenal had, since George Graham had disappeared, when they famously played 4-4-2, um, they'd switched to a 3-5-2-5-3-2, sort of, obviously. They infer one another, really, don't they, depending on the game state. But Arsenal had been a, a transition to that sort of formation in the past year or so since George Graham's departure. Um, half-time, Wenger comes into the uh, dressing room, to orders the um, orders the team to play four at the back, how he wants it, because European football, where he's come from, they're transitioning from, or they've already transitioned from three at the back to four at the back. And um, English clubs seem a little bit away behind that, as we've been, I think we've been discussing recently, English clubs seem to be one step behind tactically. Of course, not too many foreign managers. Arsene Wenger is one of the only few here. Rude Hullet was the other in this season. And and it's one of the other teams that play three at the back. Chelsea do. I've, I've reverted back from three to four. So it's kind of a, a continental feel to the Premier League already a little bit with the likes of Wenger and Hullet in there. And... Um, after changing them to four at the back, despite not being manager, really, officially, um, Arsenal going to lose the second half and get knocked out of Europe. So it's not a fantastic start, is it, really? Um, ultimately, then, the the player power, I suppose you'd uh, maybe call it now if you've been uh, sensationalistic. Tony Adams convinces Wenger that the, the, they're a bit more comfortable in the 3-5-2, and that's how they would see out the rest of the season. And a few of us do play 3-5-2, um, like it's the early 90s in, in Europe. You've got Liverpool, Newcastle, Tottenham, Villa, Leicester and Coventry as well. And um does infer that um, all these teams, or rather English teams, don't tend to do quite well in Europe. Now, an exception there is... Manchester United who do get to the semi-finals of the Champions League this year, playing a back four as well. So maybe that is um, an indication or maybe perhaps it's just um, that they were too strong, um, strongest English team anyway. But in October 1996, it doesn't really feel like that. It was all going so well for, for Manchester United. David Beckham scores a winner at home to Liverpool. And then they had the week from hell. Um, we've covered the 5-0 defeat against Newcastle at St. James's Park in a, in a Great Games podcast over there on the old, the old Patreon there. But they followed that up with a 6-3 hammering of Southampton, which is 
Not to discredit Southampton, of course, at all, but it's probably a bit more embarrassing to lose 6-3 at the Dell than it is to lose 5-0 at at St. James's Park. And they can't even blame the kits for this one because they wore a nice little white and blue alternative number. But uh, yeah, the 5-0, though, that would be the end of Newcastle. Seven wins in a row. It ended at Leicester the following weekend. Meanwhile, you've got Liverpool bouncing back from a, a defeat at Old Trafford to beat Derby in their only other Premier League game in October. It's a bit of a bit of a um, slow month, this one, with obviously international breaks, etc. Qualification for the 1998 World Cup well underway. Um, we'll see if Glenn Hoddle can uh, can accomplish that, I guess, in the, the following Barclays episode, I guess. So Arsenal have taken top spot alongside Newcastle with 24 points, but Liverpool do have a game in hand. And Manchester United have dropped down to fifth, even behind Wimbledon. So a fantastic start for the Dons has um, continued there, only two points off the top of the league. Chelsea still in sixth. Meanwhile, another, probably the lesser lesser known managerial change was Ray Harford re- resigning as Blackburn manager. And even though it's been just over a year since they, um, since Blackburn won the league title, it feels like a long, 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 long time, doesn't it? And unfortunately, Matthew Harding sadly died in a helicopter crash in October and Matthew Harding famously saved Chelsea in the late 1980s when they were struggling financially, obviously in the second division as well, came up via the playoffs and of course turned them into a club that were fairly comfortable in the Premier League and of course we've seen the uh, the reaping of those rewards ever since. With um, What we're seeing here is, of course people tend to... Um, discussed Chelsea only in terms post-2003, but um, Chelsea had a very, very good team and were one of the the better teams in England. And I suppose you could characterise them as a cup team around this era, this season as well. They did win a cup. They won two the following year as well. And um, that's probably the making of Matthew Harding here, who sadly dies in a, in a helicopter crash in October 1996. As we move into November, we've got Manchester United poor form in the Premier League turning into November with a home loss at uh, Old Trafford to Chelsea who overtake them as well and and this continues on through the, the, the sort of theme of Manchester United's November, December, October really in terms of Europe as well they would lose their first Champions League or European games at home first to uh, Fenerbahce and then lose to Arsenal and Leicester at Old Trafford as well and they never seemed too far away from dropped points 2-2 at the Riverside as well. So you've got them in seventh place as we enter December, a time where United usually get going. Meanwhile, Newcastle, they're in a bit of sticky form themselves, but they're still top just about. They've got five points from three games, but um, win at home to Middlesbrough, a bit of uh, local bragging rights there, but the, uh, they do lose to, uh, to Arsenal at St. James's Park. So five points from four games, I should say, rather. Meanwhile... Arsenal, they are um, they are winning in an off London derby and doing at St James's Park, so they're 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 keeping pace. They're only one point behind Newcastle here, and they're only really second because Liverpool get absolutely slapped at Ewood Park three 0 They draw in the Merseyside derby at Anfield as well, so they've not had a great month. In fairness, nobody in the uh, the top six has really had a good month. You, you, you may suggest Everton, who've jumped up to six, that have absolutely nowhere there on 23 points. Chelsea had a good month, I'd say, similarly five points from three games there into fifth. And Wimbledon, just hanging in there now, 25 points. Admittedly, they could have had, a if they'd have kept up that form that they'd had throughout the earlier months, they would probably be top, but still to be fourth in December is a, is a fantastic achievement for the Dons. Meanwhile, Everton's good form has probably been kickstarted by Gary Speed and his hat-trick in a resounding 7-1 win against the Saints. Aston Villa, their undefeated home form, ends with a loss against Leicester City. And you've got pretty much the goal of the month. The pretend, well, I would say the goal of the season, but we've already had David Beckham strike. But Steve Staunton scores an absolute belter against um, the Sky Blues, Coventry City in a 2-1 win for Aston Villa. Speaking of Coventry, big Ron Atkinson. He's moved upstairs to become sporting director. Gordon Strachan, in another instance of player-manager, was the player towards the end, and obviously he's more so the manager these days, um, in 1996, of course. And um, he joins them in the relegation zone, or at least joins them as manager in the relegation zone. 
Meanwhile, Nottingham Forest and Blackburn, once I flying in recent years, you may remember Frank Clark taking Nottingham Forest to Europe, taking them to uh, a very, very good top three finish in the league. Their, their, their draw with Blackburn in, in this month, a 2-2 draw, it kind of encapsulates both clubs and their um, their slumps in recent recent years, or rather recent year, and the 2-2 draw helps nobody there. Looking at the wrong half of the table, really, the wrong section of the table. So, snow is falling all around us. We've got December 96 and Manchester United's unbeaten run. They're on a unbeaten run now. They, uh, they turn draws against the likes of West Ham and Sheffield Wednesday into smashing wins. 10-0 aggregate over the three games against Sunderland, Nottingham Forest and Leeds, of course. Newcastle, we said in November, they'd had uh, seven wins from seven stopped. Now the seven winless draws against Nottingham Forest and Liverpool. Losses against Coventry and Blackburn. Blackburn pulling up the noses a little bit. But they hit back. They score seven against Spurs. So there's always a Spurs to um, be there to be beaten, it seems, in the in the mid-90s here. And um, Arsenal, they said famously that uh, Arsene Wenger should stick to Japanese football. And um, they only had one win in December, so maybe they were all right, maybe. And um, even that win, can credit be credited to it, really? It's a win over struggling Southampton at Highbury. But um, Liverpool do the same as well. They end the year on top of the league, courtesy of a 1-0 win against the Saints. Robbie Fowler, in I should go without saying, in 1996, Robbie Fowler's in absolute magical form. Scores four goals in a 5-1 win over Middlesbrough and in somewhere in amongst those um, goals against uh, Borough. Scores his 100th goal for Liverpool, which is frightening when you consider when he's actually started um, his career. We've covered a little, we've covered quite a lot of Fowler's career on these episodes of the back because he started cropping up in late on in the 93-94 season, I think. Always seems to score hat-tricks against Arsenal. Doesn't this year, but um, regardless. Liverpool are top of the table by five points from Manchester United from Arsenal, from Wimbledon, but they've played two more games than Wimbledon, so potentially, if things go correctly, Wimbledon could be top of the table on merit, and um, Liverpool have played a game more than Man United and Arsenal as well. Meanwhile, you've got Newcastle and Aston Villa propping up the top six there. Meanwhile, the big big news at the bottom end of the table coming from December is Middlesbrough's injury crisis. They can't fulfil a fixture against Blackburn Rovers, therefore... The docked three points and told to play it at a later date. Will that become pertinent later on? Who knows? It's like those yellow cards, those mundane yellow cards and you get in a set of highlights on match of the day. Will it become pertinent? Probably. Probably will. Meanwhile, Frank Clark resigns from Nottingham Forest finally with the club at the foot of the table. Of course, as we said earlier, Frank Clark took took Forest back up from the Football League straight into third position after relegation in like 1993, of course, under Brian Clough. He's now gone with the club, staring another relegation, dead in the face. Meanwhile, Stuart Pearce is in at caretaker. I mean, a club legend taking over. Yep, still playing as well. Assistant, caretaker, player, sort of mangled into one role. It's almost like the club know they're going down and who knows, maybe Stuart Pearce can get a good bounce out of them. But uh, but we'll see. We're into 1997 now. I'm just about to be turning four. Well done to me. I can't remember any of this season, obviously. Manchester United, they're still undefeated. That undefeated run stretching to 12 games, but they do begin the year with a 0-0 draw at home to Aston Villa. So those, that home form is still a bit of a problem for United as we uh, as we go into 1997. They do late, win late on at White Hart Lane, so lads, it's Tottenham still coming true, isn't it? And um, a crucial top-of-the-table clash against Wimbledon um, is followed by a win at uh, Highfield Road against Coventry as well. Meanwhile, you've got Newcastle there. They seem to be on the outskirts of um, success here, but they've reaffirmed themselves in the hunt in January. Undefeated, they win against Leeds and um, Everton, but that success is kind of underscored with the shock of um, the the Premier League as a whole um, with Kevin Keegan's resignation. You could say that... The nature of the the title loss in '96 really ended his his time at Newcastle. They couldn't go again, and it they seemed to have run out of juice. Essentially, They've a bit burnt out by that title fight, and the way they lost twelve points must have been 
incredibly demoralising for Keegan and therefore, who did Newcastle parachute in? Well, the only manager not called Alex Ferguson in 1997. So halfway through the fifth season of the Premier League, the only manager who not called Alex Ferguson to win the Premier League, Kenny Dalglish. Seems a logical step, doesn't it? We'll see how Newcastle do. Meanwhile, Arsenal much better in January, despite losing at Roker Park. Liverpool goalless start to 97 with a, a loss against Chelsea and a nil-nil against West Ham, but they do get back on track. With a win against Villa, which is marked by Jamie Carragher's debut and a Jamie Carragher goal. Very, very, very rare, that instance. But as we enter February... It's an all-too-familiar tale at the top of the Premier League. After 24 games, Manchester United are on top, finally, um, after spending a quite pretty slow start in the sort of top seven, in and around that. But the title race is very, very tight. You've got Arsenal a point behind them, Liverpool a point behind them, Newcastle only five points behind them, Wimbledon have still got them two games in hand and they've, they're on 38 points. So win those two games in hand, they're only three points behind Man United. Will they keep that form up? Who knows? Chelsea, meanwhile, do have a game in hand on the top four as well on 38. So not entirely out of it. And um, you've got to say that this is probably Chelsea's best season so far. Maybe, maybe those foreign managers are the way forward. Who knows? We go into February now. We move into February and Manchester United are... Pretty much, I'd say, doing the dirty work here in the title race. Unglamorous wins against Southampton. Arsenal do draw at Stamford Bridge, but that does mean no loss in 15 games. But they still can't shake Liverpool off them. They're uh, a point behind Liverpool now. The clean sheet record continues for the Anfield club. 0-0 at Blackburn, which would have been disappointing. Could have sent them top, but a 1-0 win over Derby. 4-0 against Leeds, um, just coming off the back of a 6-0 win. Over Leeds in 2022, some things change, some things stay the same, don't they? Meanwhile, Newcastle, 100% record, albeit only with two games played, and Arsenal record a winless February, and um, they only score one goal in four games, draw 0-0 against Leeds, draw 0-0 against Tottenham, lose against Wimbledon, they're still in the fight, of course, and uh, Wimbledon trail Arsenal by five points, um, Fifth versus fourth there, but um, Wimbledon have three games in hand and are only 11 points behind Man United. So, you're thinking, could the title push beyond for the Dons? Win those games in hand and you're only two points behind and I suppose that is the... uh... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The fatality of games in hand, isn't it? That it just doesn't go as you expect it to do. And here in 2022, the top four race is alive with the optimism of those games in hand, isn't it? And we go to the relegation fight for the first time in this episode. We've got Derby, we've got Blackburn, we've got West Ham, we've got Southampton, we've got Coventry, Middlesbrough, Forest. Derby are in the midst of a nine-game winless run, but it's broken by an Asanovic penalty against West Ham and... A 2-2 draw against Sheffield Wednesday, creditable. And um, Dean Sturridge nets twice at Filbert Street in a in a big East Midlands derby, but unfortunately, derby lose 4-2 in that one. Blackburn, meanwhile, they've got four points from their home games against West Ham and a trip to Anfield. And, I mean, that's... Can't say fairer than that. They, uh, they are obviously in a, a process here of shaking the, the title win of 95 away from them. Roy Hodgson, his manager... Of course, now. Meanwhile, West Ham, they get the first win of a year in a barn-burning 4-3 win against their nemesis, Tottenham. Julian Dix, Kitson, 
Paul Kitson, John Hartson scoring the goals in that one. And Southampton, it couldn't have gone worse for them. One point out of a possible nine, and that point is, surprisingly of all, a nil-nil against Wimbledon. And Coventry have had a brilliant December, but only one win in 1997 to follow that up. Only two points from February. Nil-nil draws against Chef Wednesday and Everton. And Middlesbrough, probably a bit still reeling from that Premier League ruling that they... Um, that they forfeited three points essentially and because of that and a loss, another loss against Newcastle two on the bounce there against their uh, rivals, local rivals there they plummet to the bottom there and that's only because Nottingham Forest somehow, someway, you call it new manager bounce probably is, they get the three wins wins three, four and five of the season in January thanks to uh, a bounce after Stuart Pearce took over but um, in February that um, that trampoline's been... Uh, carved open as a hole in it and uh, Stuart Pearce has probably broken his legs in the uh, garden under the trampoline there one point from February Forest in the relegation zone on 24 points likewise Southampton on 21 Middlesbrough on 19 asterisks that should be 22 but uh, we've got Derby Sunderland Blackburn Coventry West Ham all looking over their shoulders within two two wins or two defeats rather of, um, of relegation there and we are really firmly into the business end of the season here, March 1997. Of all teams, think of the 20, 19 other teams to uh, to be able to defeat Manchester United, to end this huge undefeated run. No, you're wrong. It's Sunderland at Roker Park, which is mind-boggling. Now, Sunderland are in a bit of a bit of a bind in terms of relegation, and that's probably where maybe that, that loss unexpected loss comes from for United but United bounce back with clean sheet wins over Sheffield Wednesday and Everton to reaffirm themselves three points ahead with seven games to play and that's because Liverpool breathing down the necks and again they missed or did miss a bit of an opportunity to go top they lose at Villa Park and they're held at Forest as well so it's they are within touching distance you've got to say but they should be top inarguably meanwhile Arsenal under a bit of a resurgence there under Arsene Wenger. Three 2-0 wins in a row, but the uh, the loss against Liverpool almost ends their title push. You look at it now after 31 games, Arsenal played a game more than Man United and they're six points behind. You don't expect Man United to drop too many points, having seen their form in the, the previous season when we got to the end of it. That could see Arsenal out of it. Meanwhile, Newcastle losses to Southampton and the, and the 4-3 sequel against Liverpool that's pretty much ended Newcastle's title race as a contest. Alternatively to, to uh, Arsenal, they've got a game in hand over United, but they are 11 points back and are in fourth. Meanwhile, Aston Villa and Chelsea prop up. What is um, the top six, although Aston Villa and Chelsea don't have a, uh, a chance really of winning the winning the league, admittedly. At the bottom end of the table, we've got Derby's survival push. It starts here. They beat Chelsea 3-2. They win at home to Tottenham as well, 4-2. Um, but as always with this superb form by the likes of Paolo Wanchop, etc., there's always a tragedy coming round the corner and it's a six-goal shipping at the Riverside, which is uh, ridiculous, really. And that's just the that's just life at the bottom of the table, isn't it, really? Blackburn, they, did, um, they were unbeaten for two months, but they've ended that run. And again, another team ending runs is Middlesbrough, and Middlesbrough need all the wins they can get, of course. Blackburn ended their unbeaten run at the Riverside. Kevin Gallagher, though, hat-trick against Wimbledon. A bit of a surprising win there as Wimbledon, as we said. As we pretty much earmarked, they were going to drop out of the title race or the top six at some point. And March was the season that it happened, which is a shame for Wimbledon because um had a pretty good season so far. Blackburn, with that win and with a decent enough run recently, they, they're probably safe, but they are... On 36 points with Everton, who have won one game since December. They're both on 36 points, and they're only five points ahead of the drop zone. That's Nottingham Forest, who have played two games more. And um, it does look as though they're probably safe, Blackburn and Everton. West Ham, less so, on 33. But they did a good job of pulling a little bit clear, beating Chelsea and Coventry. Getting eight points from five games, and those draws against Aston Villa and Wimbledon. Very, um, very valuable come the end of the season. Southampton, they've got a better month under their belt, but they're still, they're still bottom of the table. Letitia scores a winner at St. James's Park. I mean, 
Is he the most important player in Southampton's history, or at least Premier League era, almost certainly? Um, the amount of times that his form alone has, has dragged them out of the uh, the relegation fight, this is just another one of those, although they are five points adrift of safety. Um, and even then, it should probably be six because Middlesbrough have uh, 32 points, should be 35, really, they should be safe. Um, having played a game less than... Uh, than Southampton, having played three games less than Nottingham Forest as well as we enter April. And um, they do get draws against Everton, Leeds and Leicester as well, but uh, they need to probably turn a couple of those into wins to be a bit more comfortable, but and still time, still time yet. Coventry, they've uh, suffered another winless month. They're also in the relegation zone. They're on 30 points. Draws against Wimbledon, draws against Leicester as well. Sunderland, they're still safe, although they've played an extra game than a a couple of teams around them. They're inconsistent, but um, obviously detailed their uh, their win at Old Trafford. Four points from eight games. It's their only win in the past two months. Um, and it's bizarre that their only win comes against United, but uh, that is just why we love the Premier League and what a great advert. And that's the tagline, isn't it, uh, for the Premier League? Meanwhile, Middlesbrough, they're, they've climbed out of the drop zone, but they are only uh, a point safe. They lose again at Hillsborough. They put six beyond... Um, beyond Derby as we detailed but they do win the next three incredible form really and they win that postponed match against Blackburn so if you think about it yeah it's just um, a tragedy really coming from uh, a team who played good football like Middlesbrough to um, to essentially have that three point strip from them really and that that win against Blackburn almost for nothing really which is which is a shame. Nottingham Forest had a good start for March. They uh, profited off their Dean Saunders signing with his winner at White Hart Lane. Again, lads, it's Tottenham. But then they, they go on a, a winless run. They lose against Sheffield Wednesday, they lose against Arsenal. They draw against Blackburn, against Liverpool, against Sunderland, against Middlesbrough. And if they'd have just turned one of those one of those win, one of those draws into wins, they would be out of the out of the drop zone. But um hotly contested by almost everyone in the bottom half is survival here. And it's a, a good advert for the Premier League. Use that line again. That uh, nobody is properly out of the the survival hunt just yet. I mean, a couple of couple of times we've had Leicester and Ipswich. They went quite early, didn't they? We've had we've had Swindon. They went quite early. Teams like that. Crystal Palace went quite early once. It's nice to see a season where these three teams in the drop zone who still have a very 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 good chance of. Uh, of survival and uh, Forest Coventry Southampton in in the drop zone at the minute, but uh, might not be come the end of it. But let's go to a a race at the other end of the table, which looks to be looks to be over essentially, um, and that's even with Manchester United suffering another shock defeat to a team in the bottom half, or rather the bottom reaches of the table, with uh, Derby coming to town. Paolo one chop, and he has essentially the game of his life, and um, is immortalised. Um, with Derby forevermore scores um, helps Derby essentially win at Old Trafford 3-2 but Manchester United follow that up with trips to Ewood trips to Anfield they score three goals in both and this is really the defining wins of this season it's quite an unremarkable season from Manchester United when you consider that they spoiler they do go on to win the title and it's it's hard to pick a defining moment, but trips to Ewood Park and Anfield notoriously um, heartbreaking locations for them in the past. They've uh, put them to bed. They win both, and they are four points ahead with four games to go. Albeit Arsenal have played two games more, so essentially their main title rivals here from deducing the top four at the minute. Arsenal have sixty five points, played two games more. Liverpool have 64 points, played a game more than United, and Newcastle are the only one on parity with United in terms of games played, and they're on 60 points. So these three teams who are very inconsistent, you could say four teams who are very inconsistent there, including United. Um, so you you probably say that the the title race is over. Newcastle, inconsistent in the amount of draws that they're, the amount of games they're drawing, three, three draws in a row, Wimbledon. Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, but they do win, bounce back against Chelsea and Derby. And had United beaten Derby, this this title race is all over, isn't it? Um, more so than it already is. And um, Liverpool, their their title charge is hampered by their home form. Another Merseyside draw at Goodison um, hampers them, and obviously the loss against United effectively ended it. Dion Dublin's winner 
at Anfield for Coventry didn't help either. Coventry having a bit of a storming season here. And um, as we go to the relegation fight, three teams have essentially booked their safety and booked their place for the following season. You've got Derby, obviously coming off the back of that shock at Old Trafford. They produce a point at Southampton. They beat Aston Villa and a draw against Forest, nil-nil, although a win would have had them safe mathematically. A draw essentially has them safe. Blackburn, meanwhile, they get um, some good points against Leeds, against Arsenal. They beat Sheffield Wednesday, unbeaten month. And um, they're... Again, like Derby, all but safe. Likewise, Everton. They only win one more game, 1-0 against Spurs. Again, lads, it's Tottenham. But draws against Leicester's, West Ham's, Liverpool's helped them out of it. And and they're essentially, yeah, they're, they're safe. Dave Watson is the caretaker until the end of the season. And he will probably won't be charged, in charge for the 97-98 season. But see, um, has shepherded them to safety, you'd say. But... There are six teams still in the fight for survival. We've got West Ham there on 38 points with three games to go. Coventry, 38 points. Two games to go. Southampton, they're out of the drop zone. Not only are they out of the drop zone, they are, if I can do my maths correctly, 15th place with 38, but with two games to go. Sunderland, 37 points, two games to go. Middlesbrough have got to play four games in May and have 33 points and... If they win those games in hand, those dreaded, vaunted games in hand, to uh, antonyms there, three, 33, they'd probably be safe if they win those games in hand. Nottingham Forest, though, they were on 33 points as well, but unfortunately have played two games more than Middlesbrough. So if ever is a team doomed in this race, probably Forest, but if Coventry lose both their games, Forest win both theirs. Maybe safe, but they've got a bank on Middlesbrough, Sunderland not having the best of form. Forest do look doomed. They still haven't won. Um, that new manager bounce has sufficiently ended, unfortunately, and um, the death rattle, really, of Forest is uh, is apparent. Middlesbrough's unbe- unbeaten run, which sounds counterintuitive to say when you've got a team who are in 19th place. Um, that ends dramatically and completely at the wrong time with the losses to Sunderland and Tottenham and um, Sunderland's win in that derby is compounded with losses at home to Southampton which completely changes the outlook for both Southampton and Sunderland because Southampton now look pretty rosy on 15th, in 15th place Sunderland are in the drop zone as we enter May and we may as well start with the title race that really never was um, as we go into May. Newcastle's title challenge is officially over with a 0-0 draw against West Ham. Liverpool's title challenge is officially over with a loss at Sellers Park to Wimbledon. And those results combined on the same weekend confirm Manchester United as champions despite only getting a point against Middlesbrough. They don't even have to play. They are champions. And now we essentially head into a a race for the second Champions League berth because, ladies and gentlemen... We've got two places in the Champions League up for grabs. Of course, the tournament is expanding from 16 to 24 teams. So we've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle all fighting for that second place. Newcastle get a point at Old Trafford and a nil-nil draw, which which means they essentially need a win, only a win, against Nottingham Forest to qualify 5-0 later. The complete opposite to what they did at the end of last season to um, to not force the title race right right down to the wire on goal difference. They thrashed them. What they could have done there, how how life would have changed for Newcastle, for Manchester United, for the Premier League as a whole, if that would have happened in 96, not 97. But here we are. We cannot change history, says a person who runs a YouTube channel called What If Football. Let's go to the relegation zone, shall we? We've got six teams, as we said. Nottingham Forest, though, they're condemned back to the EFL with a 1-1 draw at home to Wimbledon. Meanwhile... Middlesbrough, they're still fighting. They get a win. Ravinelli, 90th minute in a 3-2 win against Villa. And they were 3-1 up against Manchester United. A win that would have been absolutely invaluable. Would have had them out of the drop zone. But it gets taken back to 3-3. A Man United team who didn't even need it either. Arseholes. Anyway, Sunderland, they thrashed Everton 3-0 to keep their own hopes alive. They're just above the drop zone here. And um, Coventry looks a fatal slip at home to Derby. They're back in the relegation zone going into the final date. They'll come into the final date in 19th place. Only Coventry and Southampton do stuff like that and uh, and survive. And Southampton, 
They're looking pretty rosy going into the final day of the season. They're 16th on 41 points, thanks to a win against Blackburn to start May off. So, with everything else settled, Champions League football settled, the Premier League title is, of course, settled. Relegation. Four teams are left. Southampton are on 41. Sunderland are on 40. The dotted line, so narrow as it is, but contrasts teams' fortunes so magnificently. Underneath that line, Middlesbrough, 38 points. Coventry, 38 points. And Southampton have got a trip to Villa Park. Coventry have got a trip to uh, White Hart Lane. And uh, Sunderland at Wimbledon. Middlesbrough at Leeds. So four teams all with away days. You won't bank on any of them winning. And Southampton and Sunderland stay, stay up afloat as it stands, until the 13th minute. Dion Dublin, with another crucial goal. He scored the winner against Liverpool. He scored what looks, well, what could be a winner at White Hart Lane. Lads, it's Tottenham. They're out of the relegation zone by half-time. But they do get um, a goal pulled back against them. Paul McVeigh, Paul Williams, their scores for Coventry. So as we go into the second half, this is how the Premier League table stands. We've got Southampton on 41 points. Coventry on 41 points, Sunderland on 41 points, Middlesbrough on 39. Now, if Middlesbrough if Middlesbrough could get a, a goal at Elland Road, we'd have four teams on 41 points. And I would posit that that would be the greatest relegation race ever. <laughs> but unfortunately, Brian Dean ruins it 30 minutes from time to all but condemn. Middlesbrough, the Juninho does score a, an equaliser. And with five minutes to go, Sunderland, the, the, the goal difference is minus 16 for Coventry, minus 17 for Sunderland. So essentially we've got one goal in it and Sunderland just need to either hope for a Tottenham goal at White Hart Lane or score themselves. Jason Ewell, five minutes to go, kills what last chance that Sunderland had at survival. 1-0 for Wimbledon at Sunderland. Sunderland finish 18th from 40 points, Middlesbrough down with them. And those three points now look pretty um, pretty important, don't they? Because uh, without that suspended game, without that postponement, without that three points deducted, Middlesbrough would be above Southampton on 41 points, would be above Coventry on 41 points. Two teams who perennially are in these dogfights again and again and again, always survive. I've got that experience, but Sunderland and Middlesbrough, comparative newbies to the Premier League, they're both down, unfortunately. Will we see them back again? Well, we'll have to find out on another episode of the Barclays. After this short break, we'll we'll have a little recap of all 20 teams. How did they do? How are we going to look forward after this magnificent Premier League season? We'll find out after this short break. Welcome back. Was this... The worst title race in history. Well, it had four component parts towards near the end, which is which is a decent enough race. But the quality of the race, probably on a scale of this to Man City versus Liverpool in 2019, this is at the bottom end of that scale. We've got Manchester United on 75 points, runaway leaders, which is, I'm going to call it embarrassing from the other team. 75 points doesn't guarantee you Champions League football these days with four places available. So we've got that. Um, of course, this is Eric Cantona's final season at Old Trafford and maybe the curtailment of his career, the ending of his career almost, despite the lovely little chip involved in the in one of the games against Sunderland. The, these times over and for United, despite a, a decent return in the Champions League semi-final, you got to say it's a disappointing title race. And probably with the lowest title points tally ever, I don't think that alone can merit the worst title winners ever because treble winners of 99 got 79 points. I wouldn't call them the worst title winners ever or even close to it because of the extenuating circumstances of the FA Cup of the Champions League. 75 points. I think the lowest... The, the worst title winners, they're on a par with Man United in 2011. Maybe Mourinho in 2015 with Chelsea's third Premier League. Who knows? Probably Mourinho's are probably the best of a bad bunch on that one. 
And in terms of challenges, it's a bit like the 2015-16 season with Leicester. Now, I wouldn't call Leicester one of the worst title winners ever because of the, the shock value of it and how they've done it. I don't think they deserve that. In terms of the worst title challenges ever, I think this season has to go alongside that, though. With Tottenham and Arsenal on 71, 70 points in 2016. Here we've got three teams on 68 points. Newcastle, who grabbed that Champions League, Arsenal and Liverpool, who have to settle for the UEFA Cup. And probably among the worst title challenges ever, only behind 2016 for me. Um, Yeah, kind of disappointing title race. And we've got Villa on 61. We've got Chelsea on 61 going back to Europe. Of course, Chelsea will be in the Cup Winners' Cup for winning the FA Cup. Of course, Aston Villa on it on their league form and in the deadening mid-table we've got Sheffield Wednesday on 57 Wimbledon on 56 who both had fantastic seasons and then we've got the yawning chasm to mid-table bottom half Leicester on 47 points in ninth Tottenham propping up that top half of the table on 46 Leeds neither here nor there really we've not really spoken about them too much outside of the um dramatic shift away from 1992 and that squad and how they've not how they've not transitioned well they're in 11th they seem to have up and down seasons but the the peaks seem to be top six the the trough seem to be quite close to relegation and they only finished six points above the drop zone here all although they were they were never in in any doubt to their their status as a Premier League club we've also got Derby on 46 points who pulled away at the end and um fantastic first season back in the top flight Blackburn continue their descent after winning the Premier League now two years ago. Fulham, uh, not Fulham, West Ham, another London club, 42 points. Everton, 42. Southampton, Coventry, as we said, survive. They live to survive another day on 41, which these days would be fairly, fairly, um, fairly comfortable points, Tally. Sunderland on 40 points, Borough on 39. Maybe even Forest on 34. You'd be disappointed to get relegated on that. And this is still, this is 20. 20 uh, teams here in this in this Premier League season from now until maybe eternity, who knows, um, pending any other reforms. Those are the types of points tallies these days that would have you maybe 13th, 14th. And if, the, if you're in 17th with 40 points, you think, yeah, there's a lot of breathing room beneath me with the three teams that have gone down. But here, I think it's obviously the, the level of competition is, is a lot higher. Although we tend to think now that all the teams are really, really good. They're not. You've got probably about six, seven teams who get battered by the bigger teams and the bigger teams have just got that much better. But here in 97, you've got probably one team that stands out, Man United, and they didn't even have to work to win this title. Then you've got Newcastle, who were very, very good the previous season, less so this time. Arsenal and Liverpool are sort of... Arsenal are new beginnings, obviously, of course. Liverpool sort of in between two teams Roy Evans here we've still got a very good core of young um, academy stars and young purchasers but aside from that you don't really have any strong teams Leeds and Chelsea although Chelsea don't really under don't really underperform Leeds do Tottenham are always Tottenham as it's as it goes you've always got a surprise package usually a Wimbledon in there as well which it was this time round or a Southampton if they're not challenging for survival so you've got I think the competition, the points tallies, especially at the bottom, is down to the the level of talent at the top of the table, which isn't obviously as good. And you've got to say that's got to be down to not Premier League TV money because that that's I don't think that's the problem. It's the, the problem is the disparity between teams that are constantly in Europe, the teams that are constantly in Champions League, and obviously the the yawning gap between the money you get for being in the Champions League to even what you have for getting into the Europa you you see teams now just get battered on a week in week out basis and that's why you have teams who get 30 probably get 32 points and think oh we could be safe here in these days no you're definitely down and these very few seasons where that's where the old adage comes from if you've got 40 points you may be safe obviously in Sunderland's case here not the case um, but in Borough they had a very good team, probably the most undeserving club to get relegated ever. Maybe, obviously, it's a bit more, bit more apparent because they get that points deduction. They do play good football. You've got household names in there: Emerson, Janina, Ravanelli, of course, um, and obviously those three points would have had them thirteenth. 
would have had them safe. Coventry would have been down. Um, but uh, regardless, in terms of points tallies, you've got to say West Ham in 2003. We'll get onto them soon. Um, later on in the year, 42 points when they got relegated. Ridiculous. Also, incidentally, what Borough would have had without the deduction, obviously. Um, yeah, West Ham and Borough, I think it's one of those two that you could stake a claim to be the best relegated club ever. They were calling Norwich City that a couple of years ago, weren't they? But I felt that was entirely undeserved off the back of one or two performances in the early part of the season, which completely curtailed by the end of it. Um, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for Blackpool as well, Um not just the town, but the football that they played in the 2010-11 season. Played fantastic football, but ultimately shipping goals by the absolute bucket load, almost record-breaking at times, is going to get, get going to get you relegated. And they were another team who finished on 39 points that got relegated, so, so there you are. Replacing Sunderland, Borough, Forest for our next episode of the Barclays will be Bolton, Barnsley, Palace. And that's all we've got time for on today's show. Next week, the Champions League is back. And a Champions League podcast is back with a name change, of course, due to the ongoing geopolitical circumstances. And I'm recording this on the February the 25th of, of 2022. So may all change. I'm still going ahead with the name change. I don't really care. And we'll call it the Le Grandes Equipes. Who knows? We'll, let, we'll think of maybe a sponsorship name that's suitable, that kind of fits the MasterCard. Just doesn't really, can't really vibe with that one. Um, but there we are. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast and if you like this stuff like I said earlier head over to our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash what if football and we're on YouTube every single day with alternate football universes thank you very much for listening till next week silly Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.